0: Okay, after a short break, we are back with another episode of the Career HQ podcast. Today, talking to my friend Ty Magnan. I've tried to split out the types of guests we have on this podcast between folks I already know and folks that I don't know, because there's just interesting benefits to each. And, And Ty is someone I've known for I guess about five or six years now, maybe even a little bit longer. We just sort of ran in the same circles, kind of same B2B SaaS startup world, both working on content marketing and connected and and have stayed in touch over the years. And he's had a really interesting career in that he's gone into management. And a lot of this podcast is about that transition and some of the skills he's had to develop as part of it. I think you'll find this really interesting. I mean, especially for folks who are currently content creators, content managers, even heads of content. Ty has had a really successful career in management so far and comes from a content background. So, you know, encourage you to listen closely to some of the things that Ty says. I'll obviously make sure to link to his Twitter and LinkedIn and blog and all that good stuff because there's there's more to learn there. So we'll get on to the episode in one second. Just real quick, Superpath Pro has a bunch of cool stuff going on. We've got new courses on content team structure. We have another one on how to manage agencies and freelancers. We've got more in the works. We have office hours with Joel Kletke and Sam DeBrule, both really world-class marketing folks. We've currently got November one-on-one calls going on. So lots going on for folks interested. You can always check out pro.superpath.co slash membership. And if you have questions, if you're just sort of curious to learn more or kind of want to vet it out a little bit, feel free to reach out. Jimmy at superpath.co, or if you're in the Slack group, which you should be, and you can get a link to on the website, just shoot me a DM. I'm always there. Happy to talk. And if you want to jump on a call, that's cool too. Hope you have a great day and enjoy this podcast. All right, I'm here with my friend, Ty Magnin. It's been a long time. It's good to catch up. Glad we have the record button going. How are you doing, Ty? I'm great. Thrilled to be here. We've known each other for a long time. Content has been like right at the the center of all of that. We'll get into all that, of course. But maybe first, just kind of tell us like, who are you? Intro yourself. Like, who is Ty Magnin?
1: Who is Ty Magnin? What a deep question. <laughs> right now, my job is a director of content and web at a company called UiPath. Uh, UiPath sells robotic software or software automation to enterprise businesses. Been in SaaS B2B marketing or software marketing, at least, for the better part for, I guess, over a decade now. And just kind of riding the tides, you know, finding my way from company to company and learning as the industry evolves.
0: That's cool. I consider you a content marketer. I'm sort of curious if you consider yourself one.
1: Yeah, I don't know about that anymore. I feel like if I'm a T-shaped marketer, right? I think I go deep in content, but like broad content. I think I'm also getting pretty deep in web right now, which has been interesting. Mm. We can talk about that a little, but broadly I think I, I know marketing, programs. And I think I'm really focused now on just management and leadership. And that's kind of been it for the last four or five years, I guess.
0: Okay. That's interesting. Maybe we should just dive right into that because I know that you did spend at least some time on the ground, like doing the content. And then you became marketing director at AppQs, which is the company you were at previously. AppQs over time established an awesome reputation for content marketing it still still is doing that years later. Like obviously your fingerprints are on that. What did that transition look like for you? You know, as you started getting into the the hands-on, the doing, and then kind of like taking it to the next level where you're managing managing the people doing the thing.
1: It's a good question. I mean, I think it's been a long time coming, right? Like leadership was something that felt pretty natural to me. You know, I think about, and this is like, pretty corny, but having been, you know, appointed leader all the way back to like middle school, right. Being like a sports captain. Right. And then through high school, some of the same stuff, like I got voted to do the valedictorian address at my school.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah. I guess I took a step back from that a bit in college and whatnot. Like I didn't build my extracurriculars the way the others did. Part of that is because I had my son when I was 17. Right. So like that, I just didn't have time. I was working and trying to get my diploma, you know, that was it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Talk about leadership though. I mean, that's a whole nother type of it.
1: Yeah. Leadership of a mini family unit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That taught me a lot. But anyhow, I think even when I was just out of college in my first job, I ended up like managing our interns and doing the internship program. Right. And then had some freelancers that were coming to the office every day. that reported to me. So then when it came time to start building a team under me and AppCues, you know, I started, we were five people. So, you know, by the time I got to 10, right. I started hiring some people in marketing and it just didn't feel different. Right. i had already done the process uh, and managed people before, but, but I think at that point I started to get really into it, you know, and I think it matters. Like if you're a content marketer and you're not into management and leadership and like devouring those books or podcasts or whatever, Might not be a good fit, right? But I'm like so invigorated by management and leadership now that it's kind of just what I feast on.
0: That's so interesting. You know, I just find in talking to content marketers that, say, like a mid career content person is likely to fall into one of a few buckets. One is they want to be an individual contributor, and that's the path they want to stay on. Another is that they want to get into strategy, they want to work on content and marketing strategy. Another is people management. And then there's this whole other bucket of people who leave content to go kind of take those skills and apply them elsewhere like community or product marketing or some other or email or some other like adjacent field which i think is great actually right like the skills that make you a good content marketer can be applied in a whole bunch of different ways and many of the skills you learn as a content marketer writing communication the ability to spin up ideas and brainstorm and iterate and refine like those are all super super useful skills, but people management is not one that you develop as part of any content marketing job naturally. Like it almost always requires that that person take additional steps to like, to learn, to practice, to grow so that they can do that. hundred percent. It
1: is a totally different job, right? And some of the skills that you build, I mean, on any team really, but I think especially in content, like you said, around communication, right like a content marketer can run a damn good email yeah and and i think that those things do help give you a strong foothold into people management but yeah it's a different ball game right and i think uh i'm still learning every day about how to do it better and better and there's a lot of great material out there to help you do it right like i didn't get an mba i'm sure most people who found their way into content marketing are also don't have an mba right but you can kind of get that just through a library membership or whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. I feel like there's something else there too, where maybe it's serendipity, maybe it's deliberate, where if you get in with a company pretty early, you're going to get the opportunity to try new things just because that's how it goes in small companies. Is that kind of how it unfolded for you at AppCuse? I mean, you got to be good, right? True. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: (laughs) I mean, a small company often like, you're good and you'll get opportunities or you're not good and you'll get let go. Right. And I think at app there was a good match. I was hustling, right. To sort of make this company work. I think we got some things right in the beginning. You know, we took a bet on content being a big deal for us. We bet that we could have a good blog readership. If we put out really high quality stuff that bet really paid off and we kept doubling down on it. So one way that we doubled down was to say, okay, you know, we see this thing working. We think if we go from one blog post a week to two, right? And then from two to three, we'd be able to get more people signing up for a product and buying it. So how do we go from one to two? Okay, let's bring in an agency. How do we go from two to three? Okay, we're gonna have to hire another person, right? And that's kind of the path that we took in order to get there. But yeah, I mean, sure. I think there are opportunities to, to grow and, and hire people under you in any business, right? In any growing business. I think it's important to kind of master something, right? And then hire someone that actually is going to bring in a new point of view and be better than you at that thing and bring them in. Like at AppCues, like I was decent at writing and making this blog work. But when I hired Margaret Kelsey, now I guess Margaret Tackow, who was like at Envision before running their community, was like early there, helped build their content programs. And she just took it to another level, man. She was so much better than me at it. And it enabled me to go focus on the next channel to deliver for the team.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Was it hard to let go? Like, you know what I mean? Was it hard to make that transition? Or did that feel pretty natural?
1: When you get someone that's better than you, it's so easy to get out of the way. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I guess I've done it enough now that it's not hard. But I find that if I have someone that I don't fully trust and think is better than me at it, then it's hard to let go. Mm. And I think a lot of junior people, when they hire someone under them, get someone that's even more junior and it's the wrong move every single time. Right. Yeah. To get someone more junior. We had to let her go. It sucked. It really pained the whole team. It's the first person I hired at AFCU. She didn't work out, you know? And I think part of that was we hired someone that, yeah, like didn't have as much skill in this area as I did. That's
0: interesting. I wonder, you know, I find that just sort of in observing content marketers that uh, a lot of folks hit kind of a local maximum where I think they might struggle to make the leap from content marketer to manager or team lead or whatever, because they get very focused on uh, the incentives that drive them as content marketers, the things like page views and MQLs and, and, and whatever the numbers are that they're tied to. And when you go up the next level, all that stuff changes. And at least in my own career, I found myself kind of floundering when I like, I knew how to make page views move that I could do that. And then when I got to the next level, I was like, I don't, I'm not sure what is my incentive? How am I being measured? It felt so much muddier to me. And I feel like that made it hard for me to like, have a really clear vision of what I was supposed to be doing with my day. So I would revert to the thing I knew, which was writing a bunch, which was kind of like having the opposite effect of what we were supposed to be doing, which was scaling. And like, here I am, instead of doing that, I'm just like tapping away at the keyboard because I I know how to do it, you know?
1: Yeah. I think we all fall victim to, to that kind of behavior, right? Like it's faster for you to do that thing than to teach someone else how to do that thing, right? Yeah, yeah. And so therefore you end up just doing the thing when the right thing really is to teach them to fish.
0: Totally. What does your job look like now? I mean, I'm curious like I mean UiPath is a is a much larger company. I'm sure the content operation is kind of like a whole new scale. Like what is your job? What does it look like?
1: Yeah, it is a totally different operation. I think so just so the audience, is, you know, so you all have a sense of scale. UiPath is three thousand people. When I started, we were a thousand people. That was two years ago. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, a lot of growth. That's crazy. But yeah, we have like you know one hundred twenty or thirty or something people in marketing. Wow. And content is being produced by, you know, like a hundred out of those one hundred and thirty people almost.
0: That's crazy.
1: Yeah. So so like we don't have a single content team. Content is produced within regions, right? Because we have regionally focused marketers that might do a webinar in Spanish, right? Or a white paper in French, right? They're content producers. They also produce stuff in English sometimes, which gets confusing, but like they do, then we have a content team under product marketing. So they're helping produce our customer facing deck, right? Product materials. Like we just had a big release yesterday or today and yesterday, and they did 285 assets. Wow. Yeah. For this one release. I mean, we've got like 20 products. So I don't know. It's a lot still.
0: Yeah. That's a lot to just like wrap your mind around.
1: Totally. Like, yes. But, you know, large scale enterprise, We're doing a lot of revenue, We're serving a lot of companies. What else? So there's a demand gen content team. They do emails they might do landing pages they have a long list of the kind of content that they might produce too and then there's the content team that i'm working closely with is under brand so we have website focused copywriters and content managers and we have our blog editor kate mcdaniel and we have a content program around customer evidence okay so like helping mm-hmm. other teams produce well aligned case studies, right? Or slides on customers. And then the brand team, so then we have a creative team next to my team. So my team is like content and web under brand. And then there's a creative team under brand too that produces, they're like an in-house creative agency. They're just amazing. They do awesome work and they'll produce our events, right? They'll like lay out our white papers, you know, the big ones. They produce all of our brand content, I guess.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting. I'm I'm loving this because like it sort of feeds into this like kind of recurring theme on this podcast, which is that content takes so many different forms. And in an organization as big as UiPath, there will be content creators, like the type of content creator that we all kind of know and understand. And then there's so many other people facilitating the creation and distribution of that content that aren't maybe they are writers at heart, but they're kind of serving these other jobs as editors and project managers and strategists. And and it's all kind of like rotating around or like orbiting around this main like content goal, right? But like, there's so many other opportunities within it for people to get into and explore. The first thing I think of when I think of all the things you just mentioned is like project management sounds very challenging. Like, is that a core part of of what you're doing? Like just keeping everybody moving in the same direction?
1: Yeah, so I think 80% of my focus is on the website so uipath.com and managing that another 10% on helping govern other digital properties so I, I'm sort of in, in charge of this digital governance initiative where you know we have other subdomains on uipath.com right for our academy for our community you name it so there's an amount of work communicating coordinating with all of those property owners but I think that out of the 80% of my data is focused on the website at least 50% of that is just coordinating projects, bringing in stakeholders, keeping them in the loop. We just rolled out a navigation change, nothing monumental, right? Just like putting items in and out of the navigation. And we have to make sure that like our head of demand is in the loop. Our regions are in the loop because we're going to localize that content. Content localization wasn't something I even thought about at AppCues. Now it's like a fundamental part of our motion and in my job really so yeah I mean it's, it's it takes a ton of coordination to get content through a an enterprise like this but there's payoff at the end of the day right like that content is so quality because it's going through so many reviews it's being considered by many stakeholders and it's being really well delivered right into the inbox or to the hands of our prospects and
0: customers right. It's kind of an interesting career skill. I don't know what you would call that. Project management loosely, but like over time, like at bigger companies, certainly, but at smaller companies too, like the most senior people are going to be the ones who like have to take these disparate pieces, pull them all together, kind of rally the troops to make it happen. You know, it's and it's probably, I guess, a collection of a number of different skills required to do that. But it's less about the uh, kind of like the technical skills required and more about like, Can you advocate for a project and can you get it to the finish line?
1: Totally. And I fell flat on my face so many times in taking on this website. I took on the website at the beginning of this year and I was just used to a move fast and break shit kind of attitude, right? Coming from smaller startups, being a lead at those companies and and just kind of building stuff and hitting publish, you know? Mm -hmm. Being fast is one of my strengths. Being well-coordinated wasn't. So I've had to work now to build that muscle, right? And instead of like making a nav change and hitting deploy on it, which is exactly what I did back in February and, and pissing off a lot of my stakeholders, <laughs> and finding out like all the people who care about that kind of thing pretty quickly to doing that a lot less. I can't say that I avoid falling on my face all the time now, but like, yeah, it's been a, a war-torn lesson for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Would you say that there may be a handful of skills that you do rely on, on a, on a day-to-day basis to thrive at work?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think one of my skills is, is leading a good meeting, you know?
0: Mm. Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm on zoom probably seven hours of the day, maybe six hours of the day, Seven's an exaggeration. Building a relationship with people over zoom, right. That are around the world that I don't get to see ever really is a skill that I think helps me a lot. Because when you have individuals on different teams that you only talk with a couple times a year, right? And you need something from them or they need, like just relationships and trust help make everything after that, any project go a lot smoother. You understand? Like if people don't trust me because I'm not communicating well with them or because you don't have a relationship, they're gonna question everything to the nth degree.
0: Right, that's interesting. It's funny because when we jumped on this call and chatted for a few minutes before we hit record, I did not at all get the sense that you're suffering from Zoom fatigue, you know, or had been on calls all day long. Like you kind of walked in with like totally fresh energy. I would never have guessed that, you know, this is what you've been doing all day long because that would crush me. I'd be totally done.
1: Yeah, totally. Management isn't for many, right? Like that's the reality of it is, is I'm spending yeah an enormous amount of time in meetings. I love it. I think that's where my best work gets done. I don't think everyone else operates the same way.
0: Interesting, yeah.
1: I kind of always knew that about myself when I was in content though, right? Like I actually think I did the distribution part of content better than the writing. I would hustle my content so hard for people to read it because we started from zero. Like when I started AppCues, we had some posts live, you know, a couple subscribers, maybe a few handfuls, you know, maybe a hundred views a month, tops a thousand on our blog. And I went from from that to you know 10xing or I don't know what 100xing that, and had to when I posted something go and email it to my friends, email it to the people I had in my network, at people on Twitter to read it, like all that stuff, and I I'm just so extroverted that that was my favorite part of the job.
0: That's so interesting.
1: That was the thing that got our that got content to be such a success for us there. Right. One of the factors. I can't take all the credit of course
0: yeah yeah that's interesting because like i wonder sometimes if one of the things that attracts people to content marketing is that it is a field where introverts can can do really well you know because a lot of the work is you know banging away on a google doc or whatever it's quiet there's not a lot of meetings so it's interesting like i find it not everyone's like that obviously you know what i mean and and for some of us like me like i'm like 50 50 so i need some of that like people interaction time but i also need couple hours a day when I when I can just focus on writing or whatever. But I do think it ends up holding some folks back, you know, that probably would benefit a lot from kind of getting out of their shell a little bit and being on at least, I know meetings have like build this terrible reputation, but actually like getting on meetings and collaborating with other people and understanding their problems and whatever is hugely valuable.
1: Yeah. I think especially in this software age, right, where the markets are moving so quickly that you can't just research your way into being a subject matter expert. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? You can't read your way into knowing what your target audience knows. They know it, you don't, right? So, So another thing that being an extroverted writer did for me back when was like, I just talked to a lot of our customers and prospects, right? Like I befriended them. You know, those are the same people that I'd send my article to at the end of the week, which helped for distribution build a list that way, but I also was able to steal their best ideas.
0: This is funny, man. It's funny because you've sort of like hit on a couple of things that like you've come into it all the reverse way of a lot of other content marketers where maybe they're good at the writing, but struggle with the distribution, right? Or like, like the creative and editorial process, but don't necessarily like the customer facing bit that it should involve, which makes me feel like there's just like, that is, is a huge takeaway for someone listening that is a couple years into a content marketing career and kind of wondering where, where am I going with this kind of like taking some of these experiences you've had and leaning into those a little bit, don't know where it will take you, but you'll learn something, you will you'll learn something that will help you get to wherever the next level is going to be curious about the next level for you. Like what's the next skill that you're thinking about and are trying to, trying to develop, to get to whatever your next level is.
1: It's a great question. Right now, I'm really muddling on leadership and how to become a better individual so that I can be a better leader for a team. I always, listen, I'm talking about leadership a lot. Like two years ago, I'm like, that shit's corny. Like I'm not interested in leadership. Like something that like, I don't know, old white guys talk about. But I'm becoming an old white guy. Right? <laughs> so somehow it's becoming interesting to me. But I'm reading this book right now about the five levels of leadership. I forget who wrote it, some old white guy. And um, they're talking about just kind of all the pitfalls that you make when you're an early leader and like, kind of feel like, oh shit, like I am guilty of not, I think I'm a good manager. I think I'm an okay leader and I'm trying to work my way into becoming, you know, good at both and then saving room for later in life to become great at both.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. That's, I mean, actually that's just even that in itself, the distinction between leader and manager is interesting because they are, you're right. They are different things. I'm sure there's plenty of managers out there who are lackluster leaders.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And they're both really important. And there are a lot of leaders that aren't even managing anyone, right? Which are some of my favorite people too. Individual contributors that are uh, rock stars in what they do and a cultural center of
0: a team. Right. Right. Yeah. That's so interesting. There was, I'll try to find this article, but there was was an article that um, I came across years ago about the different types of leadership. I thought it was interesting because I never considered that there are, it's not just, leadership is not a person who has been appointed leader who leads. There's many other, there's leading by example, there's leading by design, there's leading by all these other factors which don't require that anyone appoints you into a role to do it.
1: Yeah, totally, totally. And that's a way to go from an individual contributor to a management spot possibly, right, is by displaying a high level of leadership.
0: Yeah, totally. Any other books or or podcasts or vlogs or anything else that you might recommend to someone who wants to, brush up on their leadership and or management skills.
1: One that I've been recommending lately to new managers is by Julia Zhu, Z-H-O-U. She was like uh, one of Facebook's big, you know, early designers, I think built and managed the UX team of Facebook for a long time. And it's called The Making of a Manager, I think. I'm pretty sure. Put it in the show notes.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'll find Uh, the link.
1: And that one is just like spot on about, what it's like to transition into a management role, right? And what to expect, who management's for, who it's not for, right? It's kind of raw and and pretty real and I think really up to to date, right? In terms of um, what new managers are sort of suffering with today. That's one that I like that's contemporary. And then there are a lot of good classics. Jim Collins, right? Like his management books are good. Mm -hmm. I love Andy Grove's High Output Management or High Performance Management or something. That was one of my favorites. Got a good stack or two of these things.
0: Cool. I'll, I'll put together those links in the show notes. Dude, I appreciate your time. Wait, what about you? Where can people find you? Are you active still on the socials? Or do you do any personal blogging anymore? No, I haven't. I'd love to get
1: back to it. It's funny. Before we hopped on this, I was telling Jimmy, I was like, I'm trying to, you know, get out of engine and write more. I mean, mostly, but I'd love to be able to spend more time writing, whether it be about tech or just personal stuff. So no, I'm not doing any of that. But my website's tymagin.com, t y m a g n i n, and my Twitter is at tymagin.
0: Cool. I'll point people to those so that uh, when you do write something, they'll be ready for it. They'll be following already. Cool, Ty. Really good to talk, man. It's good to catch up. Anyways, I'm really glad we could do it for the benefit of of other people too. You shared a bunch of really interesting, insightful stuff, and just appreciate your time.
1: Sure. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, man. Talk soon. See you, bud.